Well, good morning, everyone. If, if you look around and see that we've got some family members gone, um, we do. We've got about 300 of our friends, our brothers and sisters, uh, our students, and many of our students are over in Des Moines this morning. There's a big conference called the SALT Conference, which is a, a combined conference for all the different SALT companies all around, especially the Midwest, but Florida, Penn State, all around. And they all come together. There's about 3,000 students all gathering and worshiping all weekend. Um, I think you've got a couple. Yeah, so that's what it looks like. In fact, Dalton, that was just leading us in worship, was leading that mob on uh, Friday night. Uh, they're just, yeah, just an incredible thing. I think for all of these different students to be able to enter into that moment where they look around and they, and they realize, man, we are not alone. God is doing some incredible things on a bunch of university campuses, and we're part of a, a movement of God. You know what I mean? To just have that time to look around and, man, we're out there, you know, kind of slugging it out, but wow, there's a whole lot of others of us all over the place, and to come together with one voice and, and worship Christ in that way, I think is, is just a huge, just a boost. And a lot of you guys are familiar with Jake Each, just up the road. We bring him in to, to teach here as well. And uh, he was one of the featured speakers. So of course, he's got some memorable quotes that I probably won't bring back here, but ask the students for some of Jake's memorable quotes uh, when, you, when you see them. But I asked Ryan, I was texting Ryan, our SALT director this morning, just saying, hey, what are some of the highlights? What's the latest from what's going on over there? And he said this. I thought this was so sweet. He goes, a new wave and passion for holiness is about to come back to Iowa City. Isn't that cool? So of all the things that was just, oh, it's great, see in front, whatever. Um, his highlight was a new wave and passion for holiness is about to come back to Iowa City when all of our 300 students from Iowa City come back. So... Very cool stuff. Really glad to be part of something like that, you know, where universities are being rocked with the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and a passion for holiness. So awesome stuff. Um, so here's the deal. By the way, my name's Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's going to be my privilege to walk us through um, a portion of, of Scripture this morning. We're doing something a little bit differently. Uh, normally, we just put our nose in one book of the Bible and just carry it through from beginning to end. We're doing something a little different in these weeks where we're looking at the wisdom literature, which is a cluster of books in the Old Testament. And rather than just go through them all cover to cover, we're giving some like highlights, getting our, our toe wet a little bit into all these different books, maybe just to give you some traction so that you know how to approach those books because there's a whole lot more in there than we're going to be able to mine um, over these few weeks that we're there. We're in the book of Proverbs this week, but before we get to Proverbs, that's where we're going to land. Um, if you've got your Bible, I want you to go back to the book of 1 Kings, because there's an intriguing story in the much earlier book of, of 1 Kings, earlier by way of in your Bible, not necessarily earlier chronologically, because actually the guy that we're going to read about in 1 Kings 3 is the guy that wrote many of the Proverbs that we're going to be looking at when we get to the book of Proverbs. His name is Solomon. Uh, but his story is actually found earlier in our Bibles, back in the book of 1 Kings. So I want you to um, follow along. I'm going to read this, this pretty intriguing story, uh, starting in chapter 3, verse 16. So 1 Kings 3, 16. It says, Then two women who were prostitutes came to the king, that's Solomon, 
stood before him. One woman said, please, Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was in the house. On the third day after I gave birth, she also had a baby, and we were alone. No one else was with us in the house. Just the two of us were there. And during the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She laid him in her arms, and she put her dead son in my arms. And when I got up in the morning to nurse my son, I discovered he was dead. That morning when I looked closely at him, I realized he was not the son I gave birth to. No, the other woman said, my son is the living one. Your son is the dead one. The first woman said, no, your son is the dead one. My son is the living one. So they argued before the king. And the king replied, this woman says, this is my son who is alive and your son is dead. But that woman says, no, your son is dead and my son is alive. The king continued, bring me a sword. So they brought the sword to the king and the king said, cut the living boy in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive spoke to the king because she felt great compassion for her son. My Lord, give her the living baby, she said, but please don't have him killed. But the other one said, oh, he'll not be mine or yours. Cut him in two. The king responded, give the living baby to the first woman and don't kill him. She is his mother. All Israel heard about the judgment the king had given, and they stood in awe of the king because they saw that God's wisdom was in him to carry out justice. Okay, I love that, that last line, especially in this version. Different versions translate a little bit differently, but this idea that people were saying God's wisdom was in him, inside him. Somehow God's wisdom had like gotten inside the king, and he was able to discern. So I just... The reason it's such an intriguing story is this is like one of the first acts of the king. This is like he's just been inaugurated. First act is to actually entertain these two prostitutes and sit as judge. Here's the king of this whole land, and he's sitting as judge with these two prostitutes. So, you know, that occupation has not changed much over the centuries, full of cloaking and deception and lies and darkness, right, and all that. So, So for the king to be able to find the truth, discover the truth, from two women whose entire life is wrapped up in darkness and deception and lies. It, it's kind of a marvel, right? Kind of a, a weird, intriguing, but wow, you're saying, how did he do that? Well, God's wisdom was in him, and, and here's the real secret. So to find out the real secret, go earlier into chapter 3 and look at verse 4. This is right as he's, again, being installed as king. Uh, chapter 3, verse 4, it says, the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there because it was the most famous high place. And he offered a thousand bird offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And God, God said, ask, what should I give you? And Solomon replied, you've shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. You've continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. Just check out that humility. He's, he's, he's saying, look, this is actually a gift you're giving my father. I, I shouldn't be here, right? Verse 7, Lord, my God, you have now made your servant king in my father's David's place. Like you've, you've given me that place. Yet I'm just a youth with no experience in leadership. Your servant is among your people that you have chosen a people too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant a 
receptive heart. Now, I want to hit pause because, again, depending on the translation you're reading, um, it's translated differently. The actual word in Hebrew is a listening heart. It's the word shema, a listening heart. You can even write that like in the margin of your Bible or whatever, a listening heart. So give your servant, he's asking God, give your servant a receptive, right? So to receive a listening heart, to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, because you've requested this and you didn't ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you asked discernment for yourself. That is the same word again. It's translated differently. Where we go, discernment, a listening heart. You've asked for listening for yourself to administer justice. I'll therefore do what you asked, and I'll give you wise and understanding hearts so there has never been anyone like you before or never will be again. It's just this intriguing moment where the guy that would eventually write most of the book of Proverbs, you know, about to become king, whatever, what do you want? You can have anything, you know, and God would have given him a great gift or whatever. He asked for a listening heart. Give your servant a listening heart so that I can do this job. That's, that's what I'm asking for. And that humble request gave him exactly that and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Um, Solomon's listening heart was, I think, his greatest treasure. Now, what, what you'll find if you follow his life through is some of those other more earthly treasures ended up getting the way and actually taking him down because he did amass other kinds of more visible, palpable treasures. But this listening heart was his greatest treasure. And before he kind of went down, before, before he got taken down because of sinful things, he deposited a great treasure to us in what it means to have a listening heart. The book of Proverbs is actually, I think, the greatest contribution Solomon made to the ages by taking all that God had given him supernaturally and investing it in all of us. So when you open the book of Proverbs, you're actually leaning in to what Solomon gained from God himself and is now passing it on to all of us. And here's what I want to say, guys. You actually need to hear Solomon, maybe even more than you realize. Our journey into the book of Proverbs today is going to be on listening. What does it mean to be a listener? And you might think, wow, is this some self-help week or something like that? No, here's what I'm saying. It is so central to the book of Proverbs. It is perhaps its most bold and repeated theme throughout the book of Proverbs. God really wants to get something through to us when it comes to listening. And I'm telling you, you don't understand it like you should. I don't understand it like I should. The power of listening just escapes us. I, I've got a couple of quotes from some brilliant guys who had a lot to say. I want to start with this one from uh, Thoreau. The greatest compliment that was ever paid me was when one asked me what I thought and attended to my answer. So this guy Thoreau, you know, poet, novelist, had a lot to offer. Said, you know, I can't think of a greater compliment than I've ever been given. Somebody actually asked me what I thought and then listened to what I had to say. Okay, one more by another brilliant guy who had a lot to say, Hemingway. Um, I don't know if you dig Hemingway. Dalton, I'm on a Dalton theme today. Dalton, this is like, Hemingway is his favorite author. Tells you a little something about the dark soul of Dalton. Anyway, just kidding. Well, kind of. Anyway, Ernest Hemingway. When people talk, 
listen completely. Don't be thinking about what you're going to say. Most people never listen. <laughs> I mean, just that, isn't that just true, right? These guys are just reflecting on it. These guys who are brilliant thinkers, have a lot to contribute in their own literature, are just saying, you know what the problem is? We don't have very good listeners <laughs> out there. So I'm just trying to say, don't check out on this one. You actually probably need this stuff from the book of Proverbs way more than you might even imagine. Um, so much so that, by the way, if you, if you really want to have fun with this, um, we are so bad as a culture about listening that there's actually this professional organization dedicated to exploring and practicing listening. So if you want to go into listening.org, not right now, do it later. If you want to go into listening.org, it is actually a professional organization where they bring people together to teach them how to listen. So scientists, musicians, whatever, are, are brought together to learn how to, you guys, I want you to think about the irony of this. One of our most basic physiological gifts, one of our most basic senses is to audibly take in sound, right? And yet we have to create entire professional organizations to teach us how to listen. Is that crazy? So it's, it's often, you know, not an auditory problem. It's a heart problem that we are bad listeners, clinically bad listeners. So I want you to lean in because it's not just a professional problem. It's a marriage problem, right? Can I get an amen? <laughs> like, it is a marriage problem. He never listens to me. She doesn't listen to me, right? You've got these, is it that, you know, the sound waves aren't hitting your spouse's ear? No, that's not the problem. There's a listening problem, a real hearing problem that goes on between friends, whatever. So, and actually, okay, now we're going to get to Proverbs. <laughs> I promise. Here's the problem, okay, though. It's not that we don't value listening. We just only value it when somebody else is exhibiting listening. <laughs> That's the problem. The problem is I don't value listening for me. I only value it in you. I want you to listen, right? So I'm just saying all of us should listen to Proverbs. I think all of us need it probably more than we want. So here's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just spanning through Proverbs and I'm just hang, grabbing the low-hanging fruit to start this conversation. And I hope in your connection groups and in your homes, you continue this conversation. I'm going to give you about six Proverbs that get us started in how to be better listeners. And so I want to start in Proverbs chapter 1. So if you haven't already gone there, look at Proverbs chapter 1. And point number one, the first of these is listeners are learners. Okay, the first one to note, listeners are learners. So look at Proverbs 1, sorry, in verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, that's the guy we just read about, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, and then for teaching. Okay, so the first couple verses, hey, if you want to be a good learner, you want understanding, you want to receive, right? Okay, then for teaching, shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. What do you need to be a good learner? What do you need to be a good teacher? Let a wise person listen and increase learning and let a discerning person obtain guidance. Even that word discerning person is based off of that word listening. 
the secret he's saying before. This is just in his introductory remark to, to pull the reader into everything else he's going to, to write down here. The key to both learning and then teaching is listening. Now, the, the flip side of that is equally powerful. So flip over to chapter 18, and I want you to see how he describes those that refuse to listen. Chapter 18 and verse 2. 18.2 says, A fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. <laughs> so, Proverbs will often do this. Present positively the proverb, and then negatively if you refuse that proverb. Kind of a thing. So now you're getting the positive kind of baiting you into learning and listening in chapter 1. But he's going to do this several times. I just grabbed 18.2 as one of those. Fools are classically fools, are categorically fools. All of us do foolish things. But the, the person who's just a fool, just known as a fool, is the person who only wants to spout off what they say and has no interest in delighting in, in understanding. You guys, here's what I believe. I believe this goes back to Philippians 2, that if you've been part of our church family, we covered this last fall in humility. I think this is all tied in because in Philippians 2, verse 3, it says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. I'm saying this is all tied together. This theme throughout the scripture is, is so cohesive. Part of being a listener is actually to also have humility and to realize when somebody else is talking, they're actually more important than you are at that point. Philippians 2. They actually have something to contribute that you don't have yet. And so you put yourself in a listening posture, which is equivalent to a humble posture because you realize they're more important. They have something more important to say than I could possibly say right now. So I'm going to put myself in a listening posture. And what Proverbs is, is baiting us to do is be a listener, right? Because listeners are learners. The people that you admire that often have a lot to, to contribute in your mind, if you followed them around, you'd find that they actually do way more listening than telling it's just that when they do finally tell you something, it's based on a whole bunch of cumulative knowledge that they've gained from other people. So listeners are, are learners, okay? Let's hit a few more of these. Number two, listeners start at home. So I want you to go back to book Proverbs 1 again. Listeners start at home because right out of the gates, verse 7 there, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise that wisdom and discipline. And then look at verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and don't reject your mother's teaching. So I, I just want to pick on the kids here in the audience, okay? If you're one of the, the kids here today, I want, I want you to hear me out, okay? If you want to be a good listener, it absolutely starts at home. The very first grouping of people that Solomon zeroes in on when he's telling them about listening is kids. And he says, you've got to learn how to listen at home first. You've got to learn how to listen to your mother. You've got to learn how to listen to your father. That's going to guard you. In fact, the whole rest of that chapter, this would be a great family devotional time is to spend time just in Proverbs 1 and 2, just seeing how he unpacks it. Because he'll spend a lot of ink talking about this very thing and why it's important for, for children to listen to parents. Now, here's what I want to say. Parents, as you're, you know, 
probably thinking, that's right, kid, you should listen to me. You better listen to me, right? So, I mean, I, I get that, and that's, that's important. You can say that. That requires something of parents, as it turns out. So I want you to go to chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4. Listening starts at home, but parents, here's your part. Chapter 4, verse 1. Listen, sons, to a father's discipline, and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I'm giving you instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. Now look at this. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me. And he said, your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. Here's what he's saying. There is this um, passing out of the baton that is supposed to happen. Parents, you have to first prove yourselves to be good listeners. You gain, and then you're able to turn around and help others also turn around and from what you've gained, turn around and contribute to others. Here's what I'm saying. This requires parents that you're actually speaking wisdom into your children's lives. It's not enough just to be irritated because my kids don't listen to me. My kids don't listen to me. Well, what are you bringing to them? (laughs) Is there wisdom spilling from your lips? Are you teaching them the ways of God? Are you helping them. You guys, here's what's crazy. The whole idea of Shema, of listening, comes all the way back in the most ancient of our books, the books of Moses. And um, if you've ever heard of the Shema, maybe you've got a Jewish background or know of Jewish friends or family members. The Shema comes from Deuteronomy 6. Let me read it for you. Deuteronomy 6 says this, listen Israel. So the first word is Shema. That's why they call it the Shema. So Israelis, Jewish people say these words. As the Shema, listen Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength. And these words that I'm giving you today are to be on your heart. Like listen to these and take them into your heart. And then right away, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, etc. He's saying, parents, first be a good listener. Hear the word of the Lord and then turn around and teach your children. So this whole thing about learning to listen at home requires something of children, but it certainly requires something of parents that they're actually contributing and offering something to their children. Now, some of you might be saying, look, I don't know my Bible. How am I going to teach my kids when I first don't know? So I want to give you a couple of resources and, and put them up there. If, if you were to ask me, what are the best resources for parents to teach their children? And I ran this by Courtney, so I know it's true. She said, those are the same two books I'd choose. I'm like, sweet. Okay, anyway. First one, the biggest story, how the snake crusher brings us back to the garden. Incredible children's book. Here's what I'm saying. Learn with your kids, but how cool that your kids will be hearing you pass on wisdom, even if the whole time you're like, I never knew that. Well, you don't have to say it out loud. Just learn along, but be that source of wisdom, right? That next one, I love this one as well, Sally Lloyd-Jones. The Jesus Storybook Bible, every story whispers his name. She just covers all these old um, stories buried in, in all the pages of our Bibles and shows how they all point to Christ. All of them point us to Jesus, to the big story arc of the whole Bible. I think both of those are incredible resources. I'm just saying, parents, um, you have to be sources of wisdom for your children. And then children, listen as they teach you. It's going to be foundational for you. And I want to say, you guys, it never stops. I, I was actually rebuked by my older sister. I'm, I'm 57 years old. My older sister is still like, hey, kid, you know, and 
It will never end. And good, I'm glad, because she really called me out for not being a good listener to my mother. My mom's 93, okay? And you know what? I don't do a good enough job of just calling her and listening to her and talking to her. So my sister Beth sends me this pretty hot text, you know, pretty scolding. I felt, you know, as she's, you know, verbally beating me up with a text message. I'm like, you know what? You're totally right. And that's what I said. You're totally right. I need to be a listener to my mom. I need to be an honoring, listening child at 57 to my mother. So I'm just saying, listen to Proverbs. Listeners start at home. Okay. Next one. Listeners, number three, listeners are slow to speak. I want you to go to Proverbs 15. By the way, it's not lost on me that I'm the only one talking right now. You guys are probably all like, yeah. Anyway, listeners are slow to speak. Look at Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Guys, if you have a big decision that you're, that you're trying to make, um, listen to counsel. Before you give your answer, before you speak, before you say, this is what I'm going to do, man, get help. Don't be so pig-headed, so stubborn, so thinking you've got everything you need, so autonomous that you're not willing to humbly go to other people and say, what would you do if you were me? And then listen. Don't go in to tell them what you think you should do and justify what you want to do and just kind of get an echo chamber for your own opinion. No, go to people. In fact, maybe the people that you think would advise you differently than the way you're thinking so that you can hear another side of that, right? With many advisors, plans um, succeed. I love that one. Go to, go to chapter 18 real quick and uh, verse 13. The one who gives an answer before he listens this is foolishness and disgrace for him. If you give an answer before you listen, you're foolish. Um, I, I'll be in danger of running out of time, but I do want to just say, because another parenting thing hit me as I contemplated 18, 13 there. This happens in the home as well. So I remember one time very vividly, it's one of those moments that marked my parenthood. Um, I had, it was bedtime. Normally I'm the put the kids in bed Dad, uh, I take care of like everything from bath time through bedtime. I mean, not anymore. You know, my son's 30 some years old. Anyway, I don't even know how old he is. So anyway, when they were all little, um, and there was one night, I don't remember why roles got reversed, but oh, there was one night and I saw Teresa in the little boy's room, our two youngest, the little boy's room praying. And then I went on with my thing. And then later I had something to do in their room or whatever, went to their room and Colin leaned over the bed and he goes, hey dad, are you going to pray with us tonight? And I said, well, Colin, your mom already prayed with you, so no, I'm just in here, whatever. He goes, no, she didn't. Well, Colin had been a bit of a liar to this point, and so immediately, I am so angry that he would, I'm like, Colin, you're lying. You would even lie about your mother's prayers. Ah, ah, you know, and I'm just like, so, you know, and just, man, I was so angry, just instantly angry. And I, I left the room, and I go see Teresa's down in the kitchen. I go, man, Teresa. I can't believe it. Colin just lied to me about you praying. And she goes, oh, he didn't know I was in there. And I was like, wait, what? No, he had, he had fallen asleep. I was actually praying with Graham, and Colin didn't even know that I was in there because Colin was one of those kids. He hits the bed. It was just out, and I had actually wakened him back up. And it hits me. I realize I didn't even give him a chance 
to talk. Like I assessed everything and just quickly came to judgment. You know what I mean? I went back up and he's in the top bunk. I crawled up in the top bunk and Colin's laying there looking at the ceiling with his eyes wide open with tears just running down. I had just, so, I know, it's horrible, right? You're looking at me with that like, I'm like, I know, it's terrible. I was a terrible dad in that moment. But it, it like reinforced me in that moment, this thing, listen, don't jump to judgment. Be a listener. When we just snap off in judgment, that's a foolishness. There's a disgrace in that, right? So listen before you speak. Last, go back to chapter 15, verse 28. There's another one there. 1528 says, the mind of the righteous person thinks before answering. But the mouth of the wicked just blurts out evil things, right? <laughs> Have a filter. That's what he's saying. Have a filter. Count to three, whatever it is. Like, think before you answer. That's what righteousness is because you're busy li listening. Therefore, you're going to speak um, with wisdom. Let's go to number four. Uh, listeners hear both sides. So I want you to go back to chapter 18 again. I know we're flipping around a lot, but go to chapter 18 again. But this time, drop down to verse 17, 18, 17. You've maybe heard of this one before. 18, 17. The first to state his case seems right until another comes and cross-examines him. Guys, we've all been in that place, right, where you hear one side of a story, you hear one friend talk about the other, and you just have it, you're like, oh, so incensed, you know? And then you sit down with that other friend and hear the other side, or maybe it's in a marriage thing or whatever that is, and you're just shocked. It's like, am I hearing two completely different stories? Yeah, pretty much. So now it's up to you to figure out what's right and true in the midst of, of all that. But to come to an answer, to come to a judgment before fully listening to both sides, that's foolishness. Learn how to be a good listener. Learn how to, in that moment, say, man, I, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like I need to talk to the other person. I feel like I need to hear the other side. There's wisdom in that, right? That's marriage, that's conflict with friends, whatever. Guys, can I just say, that's true in politics. Right now, we live in a culture where everybody just wants to be heard. I, what a beautiful thing if as Christians, we are the first ones in any kind of political talk that happens around the dinner table or workplace, whatever, he actually said, can you help me understand? Because I actually don't understand that viewpoint. Now, you might not agree, but I'll bet you're going to gain some more traction in understanding and be more thoughtful then in your response. So I'm just saying, in every way, Proverbs would say, hit pause, listen before you speak. Okay, just a couple more. Uh, number five, listeners welcome rebukes. Chapter 15, I want you to go to 15 and 31. Listeners, welcome rebukes. Go to chapter 15, verse 31. The one who listens to life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise. If there's ever a time we want to turn off that listening thing, <laughs> it's when somebody's coming to correct us, rebuke us. You know what I mean? We're really good listeners maybe when it's new information, Wow, I didn't know that about trees. Teach me more. Whatever. Um, you want to, the stuff that you'd like to learn, that's fun. When somebody's giving you something you don't, you have a, an internal resistance to, like a rebuke, tink, all of a sudden that listening ear goes up, right? He's saying, no, if there's ever a time to be a good listener, it's when somebody is bringing you a rebuke. Go all the way to the end of Proverbs to chapter 27. I want to show you one more. This is, this is a beautiful thing. I hope you guys talk about this in your connection groups, again, in your home, around the dinner table. Chapter 27, verse 5. 
better an open reprimand than concealed love. 27.5 and verse 6. Better an open reprimand than concealed love. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. If you've got somebody that only tells you what you want to hear and flatters you constantly, Proverbs would actually say, I don't know if that's actually a friend. In fact, that's usually the characteristic of an enemy because they've got some other end and you are a means to that end and they're flattering you. The test of a true friend is actually that they're willing to bring you an open reprimand. They're actually willing to wound you because it's for your good, right? It's hard to be rebuked. It's hard to be corrected. Proverbs would say, if there's ever a time to really practice listening, it's if somebody's bringing you a corrective. Lean in, lean in in that moment. Okay, last one. All right, this, this has been a, a very different way to study the Bible flipping here and there, but I want you to go back to chapter 2 with me, Proverbs chapter 2. Last point that we're going to cover. Listeners, listen most attentively to God, okay? If we tune our ears as listeners, just most, you know, with, with definition to really zero in on that wavelength, it's when we're listening to God, most attentively to God. So look at Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you, and, and then look at these, these verbs, as if you call out to insight, you're crying out for insight. And if you lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver, search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will discover the knowledge of God. Why? Because God wants to be heard. <laughs> You're going to cry out for He's going to say, exactly, I'll meet you right there. For the Lord gives, verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge. From His mouth comes understanding. He stores up success for the upright, a shield for those who live with integrity so that He may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of His faithful followers Pay attention to God. In fact, cry out to him. Please teach me. If you go to your Bible every day with that kind of a prayer, Lord, you've got treasures that I need. You've got wisdom that I need. You've got, you've got everything I need. I'm crying out to you. I promise you the Proverbs is true. God wants to meet you there. And he's going to draw from his storehouse in order to teach you and lead you and guard your path and give you integrity. Practicing listening actually just... Uh, should be especially applied to the way that we listen to God. And for that reason, I want you to go way to the end of your Bible, <laughs> way back to the book of Revelation, and I want you to see how this theme just keeps going, just keeps going all the way through. In fact, uh, the, the ladies, uh, many of the ladies are in a women's Bible study right now, this, this uh, study on suffering that Rebecca wrote, just phenomenal, and you were in the book of Genesis this last week. This idea of listening goes all the way back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Anyway, just incredible stuff, but I want you to see how it goes all the way through then to the very end. So chapter 3 of Revelation, chapter 3, and drop down to verse 18. 
It's actually in the context of a rebuke to this Laodicean church, but in 318 he says this, I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed, and your shameful nakedness not be exposed, and ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. I'm, I'm bringing correction. That's what he said. I'm bringing correction. I'm bringing rebuke. I'm bringing discipline. It's out of love. So, be zealous and repent. See, and look at, the, look at the word picture he paints. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. So it's, it's hitting you audibly. Now you're going to add the listening, the receptive heart, right? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. Here's what he's doing. He's inviting us to relationship, inviting us to intimacy. Now, I'm standing at the door and knocking, and I'm just telling you straight up, I'm not pulling any punches. I've got some correctives for you. But if you will open the door and invite me, and I will meet you there, and I will dine with you, and, and, and I will lavish you with my presence, and it will be a beautiful thing. But make no mistake, I'm stepping into your life to correct you. But it's because you need it. You're blind and you think you can see. You think you're rich, you're broke. I'm here to solve all that, but you've got to let me in. You've got to listen. Which is why, even though we're in the book of Proverbs and this very practical stuff, today we're again going to celebrate communion. And here's why. Guys, this is why even the beautiful proverbial lessons on listening take us to the cross. Because here's Jesus saying, Come to a feast. Come to a meal. I want to meet you there. I have truth. You're believing lies. I offer forgiveness. You've sinned. <laughs> I offer hope. You can only see darkness. The way to receive the meal is to first fall on our knees before Jesus in repentance. That's what he's calling for, repentance. And to be able to say, Jesus... I have had my hands over my ears. I've been such a terrible listener. And because of that, I've gotten myself in all sorts of trouble. I've dug the pit that I'm now falling into. It's been in my own hands. But Jesus, I need you. I, my only role in this is not to self-correct. It's to open the door and just let you invade. <laughs> it's just to open the door and let you come in with your correction and with your loving loving wisdom that will change the course of my life, life, but I welcome it right now. And it all starts with the cross where Jesus says, yeah, and, and get this, I don't, I don't expect you to clean your own life up, to make amends for, for your own messes. I've done that for you at the cross. So now when you open the door, you're going to find forgiveness. You're going to find love. You're going to find a seat at the table. You're going to find a welcome embrace as I wrap my arms around you, having paid the price so that I could take you into life that is truly life. A, a, a pathway of grace and truth. And he, he just beckons us to that table. So let's, let's pray together and then we're going to celebrate communion and celebrate a God of truth who doesn't leave us where we're at but takes our stubborn hearts and makes us listeners, especially to him. So let's pray.
Jesus, um, often you have started teachings to us by even saying, hey, he that has ears to hear, will you listen? And in these moments, we want to confess um, there are many times that we don't have ears to hear. Your, your word might kind of hit our ears, but we're not listening. And it's in this moment that we're saying, Lord, we're listening. And we hear you like knocking on the door and in humility and with an expectation of both correction and love, we're willing to open that door and invite you in. We need your grace and we need your truth. And so give us listening hearts. And Lord, as we do, I, I, man, my prayer is that that would cause us to be listeners to just each other as well. Of course, Lord. But it's going to start in this moment as we just hear from you and respond and open the door. So meet us in this place, Lord. We pray in Christ's name.